Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Wednesday, the 9th of December. India recorded a little over 32,000 new COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours, taking the country's total tally to over 97 lakhs or 9.7 million. In comparison to yesterday, the daily infection count rose by nearly 21%. Active cases remained under 4 lakh and over 92 lakh people have recovered from the virus so far. Fresh fatalities too remained below 500. The Supreme Court today said that affixing posters outside the homes of COVID-positive patients indicating that they have contracted the virus is no longer required. The Apex Court added that this could only be done if it had been directed by a competent authority or in specific cases under the Disaster Management Act. In last week's hearing on this matter, the court had said that such posters could lead to stigma and occupants being treated as untouchables. The National Expert Group on Vaccine Administration of COVID-19, or the NEGVAC, has made its recommendation to the government on groups that should receive the COVID vaccine shot on a priority basis. It recommended that 1 crore health workers, 2 crore frontline workers and 27 crore people above the age of 50, along with those below 50 with comorbidities, should get it. The committee's chairman, VK Paul, added that the inclusion of teachers in this list is currently being considered. Meanwhile, 64 international ambassadors and high commissioners visited two key biotech companies in Hyderabad that are developing COVID vaccines. This visit is a part of a briefing by the Ministry of External Affairs on vaccine development. The companies, namely Bharat Biotech and Biological E, are both conducting clinical trials of their respective vaccine candidates at the moment. Bharat Biotech, which had commenced phase 3 of the trials of the vaccine candidate Covaxin, had applied for emergency use authorization yesterday. Whereas Biological E had said in November that it had started human trials of its vaccine and expected results by February next year. The farmers' protests near the borders of Delhi entered the 14th day today. Farmer leaders hailed yesterday's All India Bund against the new farm laws as successful and said it had an impact across 25 states. They said, and I quote, the super bund made the government open its eyes and ears, unquote. On the negotiation front, Union Home Minister Amit Shah's talks last night with farmer representatives failed to yield a conclusive outcome. Farmer leaders rejected yet again the government's offer to amend the new farm laws. They maintained that they would not settle for anything less than the repealing of the laws. Consequently, today's talks between the farmer leaders and the centre, represented by Agriculture Minister Narendra Singh Tomar, were called off. The centre today will send a written proposal to the protesting farmers. This proposal will detail the scopes of the negotiation over the new agricultural laws. Former union leaders said that they would hold a meeting at the Singhu border this afternoon to deliberate on the government's proposal. Opposition parties, meanwhile, announced a meeting with the President Ramnath Kovind, which is scheduled for today. According to the Nationalist Congress Party or NCP chief Sharad Pawar, leaders from 11 opposition parties will come together today to discuss their collective stand on the new farm laws before the meeting. The joint delegation of five members who will represent the opposition will include Rahul Gandhi and Sharad Pawar, among others. A scientist from Punjab on Monday refused to take an award from a union minister in order to extend his support to the farmer protests. Agriculturist Dr. Varendra Pal Singh said that his conscience would not allow accepting it at a time when the farmers are on the roads. Meanwhile, news agency ANI reported that the workers of Punjab opposition party Shiromani Akali Dal provided free diesel at a petrol pump at the Delhi Amritsar National Highway to farmers today. The farmers were heading to the national capital to join the agitation against the centre's new farm laws. 
The BJP government in Karnataka yesterday passed the contentious Land Reforms Amendment Act in the Legislative Council. The Land Reforms Act essentially removes all curbs on the purchase of agricultural land. This lays the ground for private corporations and other individuals to buy it directly from farmers. Earlier, all agricultural land in the state could only be bought through the Karnataka Industrial Areas Development Board. The sale of land was also subject to multiple conditions. The Act was passed yesterday by 37 votes over 21 in the 75-member council. Nine members of the Congress chose not to vote. Earlier this year, when the contentious bill was passed in the State Assembly, the Congress had staged a walkout, calling it a death warrant for farmers. This time, however, the passing of the Act was supported by the Janta Dal Secular, which had earlier opposed the amendments. Incidentally, the passing of the bills comes at a time where farmer groups are protesting the centre's new farm laws around the national capital. And these farm laws are also opening up the agricultural market to private players. In another update on land acquisition, the Supreme Court today said that the central government can notify any land and acquire it for national highway projects. The judgment was given in a case pertaining to the acquisition of land for the building of the eight-lane Chennai-Salem National Highway. In order to do this, the Apex Court ruled over a Madras High Court judgment. In its judgment, the High Court had maintained that prior environmental clearance was required before building the highway as it passed through a forest region. At least five civilians were injured in a grenade explosion in North Kashmir's Baramulla district today. The incident took place at the main market in Singpura neighbourhood of Patan. Inspector General of Kashmir Police Vijay Kumar said, and I quote, an overground worker hurled a grenade in Singpura when a security convoy was passing through the national highway. 45 civilians were injured and all of them are in stable condition at the hospital. We are finding out the outfit behind this. They will be arrested soon. Unquote. Following the incident, a search operation was started by a joint team of 29 Rashtri Rifles, Special Operation Groups and the Central Reserve Police Force. In another incident from the valley, Kashmir IGP Vijay Kumar said that three Al-Badr militants were killed in an encounter in South Kashmir's Pulwama district today. The outfit Al-Badr was allegedly formed by the Pakistani Inter-Services Intelligence or ISI in 1998. It is known to operate from the Jammu and Kashmir region. According to a Greater Kashmir report, a civilian was also injured in the gunfight between the militants and the armed forces. The gunfight took place after a joint team of the Indian Army, the police and the CRPF launched a coordinate search operation in the Tikkin area. As the security forces neared the suspected hiding spot, the militants opened fire. This is the third such operation launched by the security forces in Kashmir since last night. Referring to the refusal of Mumbai's Taloja jail authorities to accept a parcel that contained activist Gautam Naulakha's spectacles, the Bombay High Court said yesterday that humanity is the most important. The court added that it was high time that a workshop be conducted to sensitize the prison officials to the needs of inmates. 70-year-old Navlakha is one of the activists arrested in the Bhima Koregao case. Navlakha's partner, Sabah Hussain, had said on Monday that his spectacles were stolen in jail and that he needed a new pair urgently. She said that a new pair of spectacles were sent to Navlakha but the parcel was refused by jail authorities on December 5th. Hussein added that Navlakha was close to blind without spectacles and yet he was not allowed to call home for three days to ask for a new pair. She also brought up the 83-year-old activist and Swami's struggle to get a straw and sipper from Taloja jail authorities. Similar treatment was also meted out recently to Telugu poet Varvara Rao. Rao's transfer to Nanavati Hospital due to his failing health had to be ordered by the High Court on the statement of his counsel that he was almost on his deathbed. Navlakha, Swami and Rao are among the activists booked by the NIA for allegedly delivering inflammatory speeches. 
These speeches were purportedly made at the Elgar Parishad event held in Pune in December 2017. The event was seen by the centre as a reason that triggered the violence at the Bhima Korega War Memorial on January 1, 2018. On July 24th last year, the Pune police told the Mumbai High Court that activist Gautam Navlakha had connections with militant outfit Hizbul Mujahideen. A section of mainstream media were quick to brand him as a terrorist in primetime shows and news reports. Tagging these as exclusive reports, the stories were based solely on what the police had said and images of documents linking Navlakha to the Hizbul. The police's revelations came during a 24th July hearing when Navlakha, an accused in the Bhima Korega Elgar Parishad case, approached the Mumbai High Court to quash the FIR filed against him by the police. But what was this document in the first place? That was an excerpt from a story where my colleague Pratik accessed the documents mentioned by the police in their charge sheet. To find out more about the validity of these claims, go to newslaundry.com and read Pratik's report from last year titled Dissecting the Maoist Document About Gautam Navlakha. In an unusual turn of events, the Hindustan Times yesterday withdrew a Press Trust of India report on some comments made by the Niti Aayog CEO Amitabh Kant. Kant had referred to India as being too much of a democracy for tough reforms. The newspaper carried the PTI story on its website last afternoon. It was headlined, Too much of democracy hampering reforms in India, says Amitabh Kant. Kant tweeted in the evening that the comment was, and I quote, Definitely not what I said. I was speaking about the merchandise exports from India scheme or MEIS scheme and resources being spread thin and the need for creating global champions in the manufacturing sector, unquote. However, PTI had actually accurately sourced the comment from an interview Kant had given on the same day to Swarajya magazine. In the interview, the Niti Aayog chief had not just once but twice alluded to India's democratic polity as being the reason for the country's stunted growth and reform. Dear listeners, this is exactly what we refer to time and again when we say that you need to pay to keep news free. A substantial amount of revenue that newspapers and TV news channels make is through government advertising. And that is why you hear of events like this taking place. A newspaper with a circulation as large as the Hindustan Times withdrawing the opinions or comments that an official of the central government clearly seems to have made about democracy, the very idea that holds our country together, should concern us. It is time to rethink the flawed news model itself. And this is where independent media comes in. News Laundry is one such organization that is dedicated to maintaining press freedom, which is why we decided to remain 100% ad-free. No government or sponsors to meddle with us in our path to serve you stories that matter. But in order for us to remain afloat, you need to step in. Subscribe to News Laundry. To survive in this world dominated by legacy media, we count on folks like you who understand the importance of keeping media independent. So go through our website, go through all our ground reports, podcasts and video interviews. And while you're at it, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner of the website. It is just 300 bucks a month for the lowest plan. And now for some international updates. COVID-19 has infected over 68.3 million people around the world, out of which more than 1.56 million have lost their lives to the virus. COVID cases in the United States have crossed the 15 million mark. This comes at a time when regulators are a step closer to approving a COVID-19 vaccine and Britain has already started inoculating people. The virus killed 15,000 Americans in just the last one week. In some good news, however, Pfizer cleared another hurdle on Tuesday when the U.S. Food and Drug Administration released documents that raised no new red flags over the safety or the efficacy of the vaccine. 
United Kingdom science chief meanwhile has warned that citizens may still need masks next winter. People in the United Kingdom may still be wearing masks in a year's time despite the country's national vaccination program getting underway. In other vaccine-related news, the United Arab Emirates has said that a Chinese coronavirus vaccine tested in the Federation of Sheikhdoms is 86% effective. This is the first public statement made regarding the efficacy of the Chinese vaccine. The vaccine was created by Chinese state-owned pharmaceutical giant Sinopharm involving 31,000 volunteers from 125 countries. After a small bunch of cases linked to people crossing undetected into the country emerged, Thailand has decided to deploy drones and increase military patrols along its border with Myanmar. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.